It's your boy Buki. And your favorite color in the world. And welcome to another episode of the 30 to Life podcast where we redefine the black experience. We build legacies, we break stereotypes, and we help others along the way. We have an amazing guest that I'm about to introduce in a few seconds, mm-hmm. but we haven't been on in a couple weeks, you know, as we do this bi-weekly or bi-monthly thing. Um, we got to check in with Brown. Brown got, I, I don't, yeah, I got to see Brown grew his hair. Like, yeah. I don't know if he's taking uh, uh, castor oil or he got extensions on, but what is, what's going on with your hair right now? What's going on? Listen, listen, let's not talk about my hair. Let's talk about where we've been for the past couple of weeks, okay? My okay. Hair, my hair is a combination of, of just, just working out, eating right, and doing what I got to do, okay? <laughs> yeah, edges is laid, brother. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, nah, nah. but um, no, nah, it's just been busy. I, I think, you know, I transitioned into tech, so... It's like draining all my brain energy. And then, Brown, you know, you got multiple promotions over the last year. So, like, you just, you just work. I was tired. I was tired. I was tired. School Crazy. started school again. I took the summer off, so I started oh, school again. God. So I got to finish that up, and and just being a dad, yo, being a dad is a lot. You know, trying to trying to motivate a teenager is just is 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 proving. It's it's difficult, you know. It's it's hard, you know. I I, I need advice, you know. I called my mom for advice to just to just give me some tips. Like I don't know if, how I was when I was thirteen years old. I, I like to think I was motivated, but this motivating a thirteen year old is not easy. But um, that being said, how about you, my good sir? How how have you been? I know I know you said you you've been you you transitioned to tech. I'm jealous. How's that been going on? I mean, my brain just be tired every day, right? Because I'm just like <laughs> learning a lot, and I'm ch- I'm challenging myself, right? Um, at the same time, you know, I got a three year old going on twenty one, which we call a three major. Um, so you know, she's a handful as well. So you know, I'm just trying to, you know, build wealth, right? You know, and you know, help others lift as we climb. That whole motto and everything like that, and that's why. We have an amazing <laughs> guest on the episode. Um, he goes by your millionaire mentor, which, Brian, I don't know about you, but I need a millionaire mentor. What do you need? Yeah, how much do you charge? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we have an amazing, amazing guest. His name is Cedric Nash. He is an entrepreneur and investor. He has an upcoming book called Why Should White Guys Have All the Wealth? And how you can become a millionaire starting from the bottom in the Millionaire's Move Supplemental Investment Guide. So I'm excited for having him. He also is the founder of the Black Wealth Summit. Um, So it's a lot of gems that we're going to get in this episode. So let me just introduce Cedric. Thanks so much for coming on. Man, I'm so happy to be here. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Yes, yes. And earlier before we recorded, he said he's from, well, he said his second home is Jersey City. Mm -hmm. So because we're from Jersey City... He, he's our favorite guest. Out of all of the 103 <laughs> episodes we had, all the millions of dollars we've interviewed, he, he's our favorite guest now, right? Because we, we haven't had a Jersey City born, uh, uh, not born, but uh, second home guest. Yeah, Jersey City's that it, it was the, it was the, I can't, because it was an, uh, on the, it was the shit, man. It's like, oh, Jersey yeah, City was like a great place, great place to build wealth, man, back when I did, man. And you'll, you'll they'll see that in my book, because, a lot of my journey started out of Jersey. Wow. Okay. Jersey is the best state pound for pound. I'll be telling people, but they don't believe in me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. So, so yeah. So our listeners are listening right now. You know, you're the millionaire mentor, but can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So like you said, my name is Cedric Nash. I'm the president and CEO of a company called Oakland Consulting, which started in 1997. Uh, my first major client was a company called Panasonic, right? It's Secaucus, New Jersey, which got me out to uh, New Jersey. Um, I have about 300 employees across two brands, built it up to about 90 million in revenue. And over those past 25 years, I invested in real estate, stocks and bonds, um, uh, in other businesses, as well as uh, private equity. And I learned a lot in that process. I learned a lot of what to do and what not to do. And as a result of that, I've written a book titled Why Should White Guys Have All the Wealth and How You Can Become a Millionaire Starting from the Bottom, where I share those lessons learned and hope that my fellow brothers don't have to go through the same things that I went through and can kind of do better than I did. So that's my background. You know, I, I, I did want to save this question, but I'm just, I'm very, I'm very curious. Why should white guys have all the wealth? Well, the answer is they should. <laughs> <laughs> and the reality is they do because 84% of the wealth in our country is in white hands and 4% is in black households. households. And so, um, but the reality is, and as I say in my book, my book is not about what they did to get there. It's about what we could do to, to, to get there ourselves, despite the odds. And, you know, uh, you know, the key is we just have to refocus our efforts and refocus our dollars. You know, largely the reason why we're not millionaires or we're not building wealth is because our financial priorities are centered around accumulating things that make us look wealthy as opposed to accumulating things that make us actually wealthy. And the reality is if you're ever going to be wealthy, you're going to have to make a choice for a little while. Right. And so that was one of the things that I learned. And it's one of the things I talk about in my book about developing what I call a millionaire mindset and also adopting millionaire values, uh, because it's really about values and your priorities. You know, when I looked around, you know, I was at the time when I started my business, I was married and had uh, three kids and a lot of stress while I was starting my business. And that stress, that pressure kind of uh, made me or put me in a position where I could not fail. But. The one thing that I did was I was really focused on building wealth from day one. I read a lot about, I read a lot of books and I basically put my money at work, but I was also struggling with that desire to want to show off and show my success as well. So I considered myself a mixed bag, but the reality is, is that in our community, there's just this desire to want to show our success. And that is an extension of slavery. Right? Mm. And it took me a while to recognize that and understand that. I'm sorry to go on and on about it, but it's an extension of slavery because in slavery, you know, the white man took everything from us, right? He took our women, he took our homes, he took everything that, he took our way of life, he took our children, and then they forced us to come 6,000 miles across, you know, the ocean and learn a new language. They took our religion from us, right? Had to learn a new language, new religion, the whole nine yards. And so from that time through uh, sharecropping and Jim Crow and redlining and getting into, um, you know, into the 60s, the black man basically is constantly trying to prove to somebody that he is somebody because the white man's constantly telling us that we ain't nobody, mm -hmm. right? And so how do we do that? Even in our own communities back in the 60s, you'll find a black man, call him Mr. Brown, so to speak, driving a Cadillac, wearing a nice suit with a 
clean hat and a shiny pair of shoes. He may have been a janitor or gardener at some white person's home. But when he's in his community and he's walking in the bank, walking proud, he's trying to convince his fellow black man, I am somebody to be respected. I am somebody that deserves respect. And he figures out that if he dresses nice, if he looks like he deserves respect, people give him respect. Well, you move that all the way to today. And so brothers wear saggy pants and they wear jewelry because they're trying to prove to their fellow brother that I am somebody to respect because that's what respect looked like today. Why? Because we got Jay-Z that's worth $1.5 billion. How does he dress? You get what I'm saying? So the whole point is we as African-American men and women are overdoing it with consumption because we're trying to send this message that we are somebody. And until we can detach our self-esteem from what we look like to what we really have, we're gonna to continue to struggle to build wealth because we're gonna be fighting, we're gonna, our resources are gonna be divided on those things that make us look wealthy versus the thing that actually make us actually wealthy. And I get it, I understand. Just think about this. Our community has gone through significant trauma, right? For over 400 years that have never been dealt with, completely never been dealt with and actually ignored. So we've been forced to deal with ourselves, deal with it ourselves. And so we respond in a way that is natural to us, right? And it gets passed down from slavery. So I'm sorry to go so deep into it, but in my mind, that's really, really where it comes. And so I had to deal with, and I, I write this book to teach people about this, but I'm really reflecting on my own transformation, right? The own, the things that I struggled with, you know, buying Benzes and buying these things, you know, just really to kind of impress people, to show people that I was successful when I should have been buying more apartment houses mm. and more, you know, uh, investing in other businesses and buying more stocks and securities and building my wealth, right? I was doing those things because there was a part of me, I had to be real, I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be respected as, as I wanted people to see my success. It wasn't enough just to be successful. They needed to see it. So what would you say to the uh, the young African-American males who are listening to this and they're like saying to themselves, I, I, hear, this, I hear this guy, but, you know, we only live once and, and I'm, I'm going to enjoy my money while I'm young. I'm young. Like, what would you say to them uh, to that response? Well, I would say to, to that response is that you have time. It's like the reality is if you focus your efforts on building up assets and accumulating assets, if you focus on saving as much of your money as possible, if you focus on not trying to buy the, the Lamborghini, you know, in your 20s and your 30s to be that impressive, I mean, you can build up so much wealth that you'll have that. I mean, I, I say this in my book all the time. You can ball hard for a season or you can ball hard for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. So the whole point, if you want to ball hard for a lifetime, put your money in assets that appreciate and generate income because that's what should be paying for those things. You want to spend the money your money makes, not your money. I mean, it's, it's analogous to a drug dealer who's selling his supply. How in the world could he ever get rich selling his supply? So your income that you receive from your job, or what you, that is capital to use to make more money. It's not used to be spent because when you spend it, now you don't have capital. Now you're forced to work for the rest of your life. That's what the wealthy do. The wealthy buy assets. If you look at who we give our money to, it's to the people who own assets. Those are the people that have all the income. Those are the people that have all the wealth. It's the guy who have the assets. It's the store owners. It's the, uh, the, the property owners. 
It's the auto, uh, the dealers. You know, those guys have assets, businesses. It's the people who make products. You know, Apple makes products. Those people have assets, right? So that's where our focus has to be. And like I said, I know it's a struggle. I said, but the reality is you have to check your self-esteem. And as I tell people also on my own social media platform, if you focus on your assets uh, within time, your assets will grow so big that, you know, you, you can't help, they can't help but see you, right? Like Robert Smith, went worth five or $6 billion. You can't help but see him, right? So that's, and then you'll be able to, like I said, have, that's real generational wealth because that's what you can pass on to your kids. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think a, a lot of times, you know, you hear this advice and like, I think everyone knows what they need to do, but sometimes they don't choose not to do it, even though they know it's going to be beneficial to the future. Uh, oftentimes it is a mindset shift, right? Or, and oh, yes. I guess uh, what, what I'm driving at is like, what can people do to change that mindset? Because that's where it all starts, right? In the mind and then the actions follow. Great, you got, you got metaphysical is- on me, brother. <laughs> but that's a great thing and the first thing I can do is to buy my book because I address this my book my, my millionaire money moves system is about first developing a millionaire mindset second adopting millionaire values and the third thing is to make millionaire money moves that's the how so the mindset is what I call the offense that's the thing that you use to make the money the values you know everybody's heard about millionaire mindset but they don't talk about adopting millionaire values that's the defense that's the thing that allows you to keep it. Right? That's the thing that that's the thing where you use your money uh, like a tool to make more money as opposed to a toy, right? So you go to a strip club and you're throwing away. That's millionaires don't do that. That's a toy, right? You don't throw money away. That's a resource to be used to make more money, right? So only certain people in our community, you know, throw money away as a way to prove to people that I got money to burn. And there's rap songs about I got money to burn, right? No, he doesn't burn no money. It's a resource. Why would I burn it? I want to go use it to make more money. So we have these ideas in our culture that that sh- that that impact our mindset. And then making the millionaire money moves, I call that the playbook. That's the how, right? The reality is you can't be consistent enough on the how unless you shift your mindset and you transform your value set. That's why people struggle. And I have a thing on the back of my book says, why aren't other books making you a millionaire? It's because the other books just focuses on the how. They don't focus on the mindset and the value set. And the reality is you can't shift your mindset overnight. You can't say tomorrow, I now have a millionaire mindset. It takes time to develop a millionaire mindset. And then there's a process for it. I talk about it in my book. The first thing is you have to change your environment. You know the old saying, if you want to soar like eagles, you can't hang with turkeys. So the whole point is, is if you're hanging around people that have the wrong mindset, you're cementing the wrong mindset. And in order to transform that mindset, you've got to develop a series of what I call them and what I've had in my life, millionaire mentors. And these millionaire mentors will reshape your thinking. I'll give you an example. How many of you guys heard people say, oh, you don't want to own uh, uh, real estate. All those people do is tear up your property. All they do is just cost you, right? I've heard that about three or four times. (laughs) Three or four times. But older people, they've heard that. It's cemented in our minds that if I buy a piece of property, that I'm going to deal with tenants that aren't going to pay me rent, and that I'm going to have that headache of of, of having to deal with them messing up my property. I'm never worried about that, right? Because those things are fixable. You know, some drywall, some paint, that's fixable. I'm just going to say this one other thing. 
And, you know, you know, when the market, when, 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 when real estate, uh, when, when rents were jumping up 20, 40, 24% on average, now you're hearing everybody on EOIL talk about buy real estate. Well, it's too late now because if you know anything about real estate, when the rents are higher, the, the net operating income's higher, the cap rate's higher. So the price of the real estate's higher. You needed to buy it back then. So that's an example of the mindset culturally that sends us down the wrong path. Another one is like, oh, don't buy the stock market because the stock market always goes down. Or it's like gambling. You know, it's against God don't like you to gamble. These mindset things are culture in our community, and it's sending us down the wrong way. So, that, so, so the, the key is you've got to change your environment. Then once you change your environment, you're going to change your conversation. You change your conversation, you change your destination. The other part is you change your programming. You change your programming by what you read. You have to submit the old wrong mindset with new information that's based on facts and based on things that are real, right? Because you have to displace that old mindset with the new one. And then by practicing things and by making millionaire money moves, by, by, by realizing that, you know what, this new mindset is right. Now you're shifting and now you're transforming your mindset. And the whole point is you have to go through that transition and it takes a while to do that. And until you do that, you're kind of stuck, you know, with the old beliefs, with the old practices. And, you know, just for a definition, your mindset is your preconceived ideas, beliefs, and practices, right? So the whole point is, is like you're, they're baked in and you have to learn new ones. Sorry to be so long-winded on this, man. No, this is, no, you're good. You're good. I've been writing and thinking about this for some time. And so it, it, it's really the heart of where our challenge is. Yeah, yeah. So I want to take it back to uh, a comment you mentioned earlier. And you said that, you know, while you were building your business in the beginning, um, you know, you faced some challenges. Can you talk about some of the challenges that you overcame during that time? And uh, what were some mm -hmm. of the things that you, I guess, learned from the challenges and how you did you overcome them? Yeah, there, you know, there were many challenges along the journey. And at least I had two very difficult years in my business, 2002 and 2003. And that was where the you know market had shipped. And there was the, this big old dot-com thing that happened in 2000. And they were worried about Y2K. So they were putting in all these systems and the systems that I specialized in, which are enterprise resource planning systems. You know, that was the answer for the Y2K problem. So we got through Y2K in 2000, and then all of a sudden this dot-com thing happened where dot-com companies value, were valued you know, crazy. That's how Mark Cuban became a billionaire because he sold his company at the right time to Yahoo, right? So, so then all of a sudden after the bust, no one wanted consultants at all, and that's what I do as consultant. And so at that time, you know, my business was sliding. My profit was sliding. I was, uh, I, I was probably operating my business through a half a million dollar line of credit that I had with, Bank of, with Wells Fargo Bank. And my numbers were sliding. So then they wanted to see my numbers and I showed them my numbers and they said, uh, well, you're not looking so profitable right now. So we're calling our $500,000 line of credit. I was like, what? I'm making my payment. No, we're calling your line of credit because we don't like the outlook. So they called my line of credit. I didn't have a half a million at that time. I was like, yeah, I lost a few projects. And I was trying to stay afloat. Well, it turns out that I didn't have a personal guarantee at the time because at the time the banks did not require a personal guarantee on all your loans. So all they could go after was my business assets. And so they basically went to court. At the time I was going through a divorce. It was kind of the worst time in my life going through a divorce and tired of going to court on that. And then, uh, 
you know, Wells Fargo Bank calls me into court and I miss a court date and then they get me in checkmate. Because I don't show up, the judge grants them uh, grants them a judgment against me. And then Wells Fargo came at me and said, well, if you don't sign a personal guarantee, now my personal assets are at stake. If you don't sign a personal guarantee, we're coming in, we're taking everything out of your office and you're going to be out of business. Well, they had me in checkmate. So I signed that. That was the worst time in my business. It was extremely lonely. And but the funny thing about it is I wanted to quit my business so bad. I couldn't quit because how the hell am I going to pay $500,000 back? I had to I had to rebuild the business. So I completely turned around. And what I did is the thing that I did was because I always saved my money despite what was going on. I had a couple hundred thousand dollars saved up and I paid my employees because your employees always paid first. And I lived out of my savings account for 12 months. And at that time, I had two mortgages. I had a beautiful condo in Jersey City on the, on the waterfront. And I had my $2 million house in Oakland, California that I had built from scratch. And I had to pay my mortgage from that, from my savings account. And then my wife and I divorced. I sold the house. By the time I sold the house, my business had turned around. But the whole point is, is what I learned from that was that, first of all, you always got to prepare for those downturns. And everybody goes through that. And... And at that time, you just had to be, all I did was hunker down and focus on my relationships with my business relationships. I cut my costs as low as I possibly could. I got really, really focused on my, on my accounting. And I just, I just put my head down and just dug in. I didn't know if I was going to make it or not. And I'm telling you, there were so many days I wanted to quit, but I can tell you right now with 90 million in revenue and 300 employees, I'm glad I couldn't quit because God knows I wanted to quit. So the whole point is, is that entrepreneurship can get that tough, mm -hmm. right? And it gets that tough, not because I'm black. It gets that tough because it's entrepreneurship. And I was 100% old. So my message is, is that entrepreneurship is still the number one way to, to, to build wealth. And it is still the most highly probable way of becoming a millionaire. I just want people to go into it understanding that it's going to be extremely hard, that you could still do it. But you have to be prepared. And while you're making good money and while things are going well, you know, put some money on the side for your rough times because rough times are surely to come. And businesses, you know, the business cycle always changes and causes you to reinvent your business. And you got to be in a position to be able to do so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You always got to have that rainy day, right? Whether it's for a business or your your personal uh, everyday life, you know, it's always important, right? Because, you know, so many of us live paycheck to paycheck, but it's important to have that yeah. rainy day money, just like grandma used to have, you know, back in the day on top of the refrigerator, right? Like follow those same, exactly. you know, uh, same principles. Same principles. Uh, so yeah, definitely. Uh, so true. Um, I wanted to pivot to, uh, the six levels of wealth that you talk about, um, and mm -hmm. break down like where you should be striving for, like, the process to get there, like different mindsets you need to get to one level to another? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, you know, in my book, I talk about the six levels of wealth and, you know, level one is financial uh, comfort and, uh, and financial comfort is defined as, okay, I'm going to retire by 65, but by the time I'm 65, I'll be financially independent, either through a pension and I'll be debt free by the time I'm 65 and I'll be able to live a very comfortable life and not stress about money. And then there's what I consider financial independence. And financial independence is the next level. And that's where you're, 
assets or your income from from your pension and uh, and either your assets covers your living expenses. Uh, and so that can happen at any stage in your life. There's some people that are 40 years old or 50 years old and they're considered financially independent. Then there's being a millionaire. A millionaire is having a net worth of $1 million or more. That's where the sum of your assets minus the sum of your liabilities are equal to a million or more. The interesting thing about the pure definition of being a millionaire is that you can be a millionaire and not be financially independent, right? So, and there's a lot of people that are in that situation. They're a millionaire, but they still have to keep working, right? To pay bills and to kind of, to, to keep the life going. And then beyond that is what I consider, uh, there's, there's what I call rich. I said rich is when you have a net worth of 5 million or more, and you have at least a million dollars in liquid assets and you're financially independent. So you don't have to work because your assets are producing enough income to cover your lifestyle. You have no debt, but you have a million dollars in liquid cash and your net worth to so some of your assets minus some of your liabilities are 5 million. And I say rich ranges from that up to up to $100 million to where you have $100 million in net worth and you have 10 million in liquid cash, and I consider that ultra rich, right? You got 10 million in liquid cash, 100 million in net worth, financially independent, don't have to work. That's ultra rich or ultra wealthy. And that goes from 100 million up to a billionaire. So the whole point is, is that I wrote that in my book because I believe that one of the problems with personal finance books is that they say, I'm gonna teach you how to be financially independent. Well, they haven't defined what financial independence is. Well, I'm gonna teach you how to be rich. Well, what is rich? So these, these, these terms are very nebulous. What I wanted to do in my book, and my ghostwriter and I argued about this for the longest, is that I wanna give very clear targets for people to strive for, right? Because if you can strive for those, those clear targets, now you have what I consider an end game. Because in my book, I want you to document what's your starting point? Where are you? What's your network today? And when I tell people that I'm going to teach you how to become a millionaire starting from the bottom or starting from where you are, I mean it, right? I really mean it. And so what I mean is you have to document. My book has plenty of examples and, and uh, that you have to follow. You know, you got to document your starting point. Then we're going to document your end game. Where do you want that end game to be, right? My first end game goal was that I wanted a million dollars in income without working. I wanted a half a million to come from my cash. I wanted another half a million to come from my real estate. I wanted to be debt-free, and I wanted to reach that goal by a particular date. So I'm real serious about this thing about building real wealth. And if you're serious about it, you'll put an a, a in-game goal. And an in-game doesn't mean that your life is over. It just means where you, when you choose not to work anymore, when you choose to focus your efforts on other things. And so that's what those levels are, and that's what... That's why I have them established because in my book, you're going you're gonna to document this and then you're going to develop a path of how do I get there? Am I going to get there with real estate? Am I going to get there with my securities? Am I going to get there through cash? Am I going to get there through my entrepreneurship? And once you decide what your plan is, then in my book, you're going to create what I call your Millionaire Money Moves Master Plan. And that plan is a very detailed plan of how you're going to go from where you are to where you're headed. Now, I created that because when I came out of college, I created a master plan for myself. And I still had that same piece of paper and I put it actually in the book of what I wanted to accomplish. So I took that same structure and I continued that structure all throughout my life. I believe every college student, every black person should have a plan for their wealth, for what they're trying to do with their wealth. 
that's cool. <laughs> that's real cool. That's real cool. Um, With very clear targets. Very clear targets. Not nebulous. Not, you know, very clear. You know, you know what the Bible says, without a vision of people perish. You got to have a very clear vision for what you're trying to do. And that's one of the problems with other personal financial books. They give you this, they give you all these ideas and all these things, and you can't quite put them together yeah. to build a plan. They teach right? you what you're supposed to do, but don't give you the, the directions of how to do it. Of how to do it. They yeah, teach you yeah, what yeah. I consider financial literacy. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching you wealth literacy. Yeah. And the yeah. difference is financial literacy will teach you about compounding. Financial literacy will teach you about interest rates and those kind of things. Teaching you how to accumulate assets that appreciate and generate income. Like, how do I buy apartment buildings? How do I maintain it? How do I increase my rent? How do I find tenants? You know, that's the kind of stuff that's going to make you wealthy. You know, compounding is just going to make you knowledgeable. Yeah. So what would you say to the guy who's like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to get into cryptocurrency. That's going to make me a millionaire. Uh, what, what would you say to him or her? I would say that, uh, <laughs> you know, that... He, he, he's got to keep dreaming. I don't, I'm not a crypto guy for a lot of reasons. Because crypto uh, is a purely speculative investment. It's not tied to any revenue. It's not tied to any intellectual property. It's, it's not an asset, right? It doesn't produce an income, right? Um, and the other part is it's so unstable. So if people who believe in crypto, it's like, okay, you know, would you, I mean, like when crypto was trading at 60,000 per crypto, I mean, would you buy a Tesla? I mean, would, would, would Elon Musk give you a Tesla for one, one, you know, one Bitcoin? I mean, now that Bitcoin's worth $19,000 today. Would that be a fair trade? So a currency cannot be uh, useful if it's not stable. The reason why the dollar is useful is because the dollar may go up a few cents up and down a little bit, but for the most part, the dollar's the dollar, right? So all these spe you know, all the speculation around you know what uh, cryptocurrencies are going to do is pure speculation. Plus, they've never been regulated, so you don't know what is going to happen once the government regulates it. Re regulates it. And the Biden administration is going through uh, some regulation on it. Or they're they're doing some investigation of it, and they're even considering creating a digital U.S. dollar. So if they create a digital U.S. dollar, what's the, what's the use of it? What's the point of it? So I never really got it. It just sounds like it was just, uh, and then now that one guy can determine, the, you know, how many he's going to release, and they don't know how many he's going to release, and then it's not secure, and you don't know how many are lost. It's like, this is the thing, Brown, that just dry, makes me scratch my head, and it hurts me. It really hurts me in my community, because we're typically drunk. Uh -huh. I talk about this in my book, to things that are fast, easy, and relatively free. And I am telling you, no one gets rich fast. Yeah. No one gets rich without making some type of an investment of sacrifice. And no one gets rich. No one no one can put a little money in it and make a whole lot of dollars. But yet we're constantly lured by this this concept. When if you can get a seven percent return, you ask any investor, I have an investment that's gonna give you a seven percent compounding return, they would take it all day. They would take it all day. Guaranteed. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Guaranteed. Because yeah. if I get seven percent compounded Every 10 years, I'm doubling my money. So the whole point is, is that one of the things, and that's a mindset thing that I'm trying to really get across in my book, is that investing takes time, but it can be done. It's just a matter of patience and consistency, and we can get there. And so I, it just hurts me. And the reason why I wrote this book 
is because I believe that building wealth eludes our community because of all the confusing ideas and notions that are fed to us, right? We're no, one, no one's telling us the truth. We're constantly being kind of lied to about things and we're constantly, our mindsets are constantly thinking that, you know, somebody else is driving a Mercedes Benz or he's driving a Ferrari and he got cryptocurrency, so it can work for me, but then it never works. Well, I own a Ferrari too. And I don't have not one dime in cryptocurrency. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, I think it's a lot of just, okay. I wouldn't say misinformation that, that our community gets all the time. Because you could think of a lot of things like growing up, um, you know, you always see someone maybe come to your house or your neighborhood and say, you know, uh, insurance is an investment, right? That was a big one that used to be. And, and, mm-hmm. and people outside of our community would come in our community and sell us whole life. Um, you talk about, uh, scratch offs and lottery tickets. Another big thing that people, when you're more likely to get struck by lightning and, uh, you know, hit uh, when the lottery in a lot of cases. Um, and it's just a lot of that, that we, uh, multi-level marketing, another one, like, Hey, become an entrepreneur, start yes. your own business. It's not even a business that you start and you start in someone else and put money in other people's pocket. And it's like those things mm-hmm. we always draw into the things that will take money from us instead of putting money in our community or in us. Well, the common theme about all those things that you talked about fast, easy, and relatively free, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole point is I don't have to put any effort in it and I just put a dollar in it and I get 2000 back. Right. And it's, and, and it's fast. It happens quickly. So those are the things that draw, but you know, you look at Mark Zuckerberg cost him over what? $12 million in investment capital to start his business. How many hours of coding did he do in his dorm? And now he's worth how many billion dollars? And he was like the fastest, I think he was the second fastest Mm -hmm. billionaire in history. And it took him four to five years. Mm. Right? So the whole point is like, it doesn't happen fast. Jay-Z took what, over 20 something years to become a billionaire? I, I remember seeing Jay-Z back when I was living in New York. He'd be a Club Envy or a Club, uh, yeah, I think it was like Club Envy down down in the uh, in lower, lower East Side. You know, and he was, he had a little green, a little green uh, Jaguar. And, you know, selling music out of his truck and stuff like that. This is like in the early 90s, right? So I'm just saying that people don't see the work that these people put in and, 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 and how long it takes. They just don't. And so if I can get them to shift their mindset and say, you know what, this is going to be slow, right? Because what I wrote in my book, when you write a master plan, it is slow. And building wealth is slow for these reasons. First of all, it takes time to shift your mindset. It takes time to shift your value set. It takes time for you to build up capital. It takes time for markets to change. We're in a down market right now, right? From 2008 to 2022, the market was going crazy. It rose by like four or 500%, right? Never happened in history, right? So now we're in a down market. It takes time for markets to catch the right market. It takes time for assets to appreciate and it takes time for income to grow. You know, you, you increase your apartment rents in Jersey for three, four, 5% a year. It takes time for those rents to go up. I tell you one thing, they do go up. And the value of that property goes up. I tell you about my building I bought in Jersey City. I paid $360,000 for that property in 2003. It's worth $2 million right now. The Jews hit me up all the time. Because, you know, you guys, you know, you'll know my property. I'm, it used to be a post office there. And I'm right next door to this old church that's now being renovated and turned into market rate apartments. So that guy wants my property. I'm right up next to him. So I'm just saying that, it, you know, took me 
almost 19 years to turn that. But hey, I didn't pay the rent. I just paid the mortgage that the tenants paid me. All I paid was a down payment. These principles work. And I just want our community to start using it. It's the same principles that Jewish people use, same principles that white people use. It's the same principles. Nothing's changed. So it just makes me think about mistakes, right? You talked about some of the ones you made, but like for the everyday person, right, who, you know, uh, a lot of us was was taught that, hey, you got to go to college. And unfortunately, we got to put ourselves in a lot more debt than, you know, other races or ethnicities, and we have a lot of debt, right? So that obviously we can't go back in time and be like, oh, I should never went to school, right? No one has a time machine. So like, what are some mistakes, <laughs> right, that we can write or that we can at least pass on to others to make sure that they don't uh, repeat what we, we've done? I think the biggest mistake we make is that when we come out of college and we start working, that we get too worked up about our debt. That's a huge mistake. I mean, it's like, you know, Dave Ramsey, uh, you know, have people and he has, you know, he worked through the church system to get his system put in, in place. And he's got us working off paying our debt off. And so what I'm saying is, yeah, you should pay off your bad debt. There's a difference between bad debt and good debt. Bad debt is debt, credit card debt, furniture debt, debt that's not tied to anything of value. That's bad debt. You want to get rid of that. But good debt is debt tied to income or an asset that appreciates and generate income. So your student loan is good debt. All right, yeah, you want to pay it. You just pay it slowly. It's good debt. We get too worked up about it. I'm going to give you a, a solution for your college student or for your college debt. What you do with your college debt is you pay the minimum or maybe slightly more. And you take that excess cash and you start buying assets. Why? Because your assets can pay off your debts a whole lot faster than you can. I'll give you an example. I bought a, when in 2003, I went on a tear after I kind of went through my mind. I had a breakthrough. And I was just investing like crazy. So I bought the property in Jersey, and I bought a four-unit property in D.C. That four-unit property I bought in D.C., I paid $484,000 for it in 2003. I bought the Jersey property in October 2003, D.C. in November 2003. I bought the D.C. property. The D.C. property is worth about $1.2 to $1.4 million. I paid four eighty four dollars for it, right? So the tenant's been paying for that for over 18 years. Now, if I had $300,000 in student loan debt at that time and I was paying the minimum, maybe that debt would be maybe what, $150,000, right? But if I bought my property in, in, in D.C. for four eighty four and it's worth $1.2 or $1.4, I got a million dollars in equity in that, in that same 18, period, 18 years of time. If I wanted to pay off that student loan debt, I could just take $150,000, $200,000, $300,000 out of that property, have the tenants pay it back, and go pay off my debt. So the whole point is, is that I think that too much of the African-American community is so focused on debt that all we do is we buy things to run up our debt, then we work harder to pay our debt back down. Then we buy things to run up our debt, and we buy and we work harder to pay our debt down. We're going nowhere. It's better to keep your debt right where it is, keep working harder, and put that excess money on assets. Because those assets over time will pay off your debt. Now, you say, what kind of assets? Well, shoot, you can go buy a dividend stock, buy Apple stock. You could have bought Apple stock back in, in 2000, 2008 when the market hit the bottom, right? And it's grown and split and all that kind of stuff. You know, you can buy, you don't have to buy sexy stuff. You don't have to buy risky things. I mean, you can buy just high quality companies, right? 
quality companies that I say will always find a way to win. Apple will either beat you or they'll buy you, but they're not going to lose. They're either going to beat you or they're going to buy you. They are not going to lose. You got you guys got a company in John, in, in, in uh, Jersey, one of the baddest pharmaceutical companies out there. You think Johnson Johnson's going out of business? No. Plus, they pay a dividend. The market dropped a little bit. What? Their stock dropped. The market dropped like 30% a few months ago. What did Johnson Johnson stock do? Maybe 10%. Yeah, not maybe much. 7%. And they're still paying a dividend. Mm. Look at Johnson Johnson over the last 20, 30, 40 years and see how their stock has continued to rise. Who's going to take them out of business? I'm just saying that these principles are basic. We just, I think the one thing that we in our community struggle from is patience. See, to be an investor, you have to be patient, not stagnant, patient, right? You have to allow markets and time to settle. Like right now, we're looking at this down market, but I can tell you 10 years from now, you're going to see the market go higher than what it did before. It's done it historically. You have to trust it. And I can't wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think I, 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 I can't wait either, wait either, but I think it's harder in, in this digital climate, right? Because we have social media where instant gratification is on the highest level it's been in our in history because me and brown was talking about this a few episodes ago we're like used to only uh dress up on like uh uh, holidays or 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 occasions you only went out to eat for your birthday or you graduated or something like that now it's an everyday occurrence or you have to buy new clothes every week like everyone wants to show off and everyone wants that quick hit so our community always had this issue of like wanting to like the quick quick get rich type of schemes but now i think it's not even just a black issue i think it's everyone's issue now and how do we fix that because it's even worse for us yep it's it's an american problem and you know how you fix it you have to hang out with some millionaire mentors i'm telling you some old school millionaire mentors that's what i did one of my millionaire mentors, I've tried to get him to come to the Black Well Summit. Uh, Mr. Glover, he's 91 years old. This guy owned a bank. He created a bank in my community. He owned his own office building. That's why I own my own office building. He was buying apartment buildings and laundry mats. And, you know, he was given loans because he was a retired military guy. He was lo- uh, putting loans together for soldiers who wanted to buy a car. So Mr. Glover was a beast, and he's still prevalent in my, in my life. And so when I was out there buying cars and doing stuff, he looked at me, and he, he was a man of few words. He says, hey, man, you need to, you need to stop buying the cars and buy more real estate. You know, just little stuff like that. So what I'm saying is, is that you've got to embrace these old-school principles. They don't change. What's killing people now is technology because, you know, the guys with assets, they got money to advertise. And so you can't even pick up your phone without spending $100, right? They're constantly <laughs> telling you you need this, Right. I mean, you know, during the pandemic, Arnold Chenault, the guy who owns LVMH, well, yeah. uh, Louis Vuitton, yeah. owns uh, Moet Chandon, yeah. Hennessy. I call, he owns all the black brands, you know, Hermes, all the stuff we want. He owns. This dude's net worth went up $100 billion during the pandemic. What happened to us? Our spending power grew from $1.3 trillion to $1.6 trillion, but our net worth dropped by 15%, right? So the whole point is, is that... We're being we're being fed this and it's hard to fight it. Right. But it's a mindset thing. Right. It's a mindset thing. Once you realize that those brands don't define you and those brands aren't going to make your life better. 
And you can detach, like I said, you can detach your self-esteem yeah. and how you're looked at or how you're viewed to, to, you know, when you can detach that, now you can say, you know what? That's what I had to do. That's why I'm telling you this. You know, I, you know, I, I went through a period of time when I was buying my properties, I stopped buying custom suits because yeah, I come from the Steve Harvey era, right? Where we were wearing, you know, Magic Johnson big suits. I stopped. I said, you know what? I don't care how much money I spend. I'll never be the sharpest cat in the room. So I stopped. And I was, I was still wearing my old clothes, driving my old car. But I was buying real estate, buying my office building, putting my money into renovating my properties. And it's paid off now. That's what has to happen. You have to come offline and say, you know what? I'm not going to play that game. I'll let them be Gucci down to their socks, but I'm going to, I'm going to stack my cash and I'm going to invest in assets. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I don't you even know if head. I, no, no, it's, 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 all, it's all facts. I it's mean, all facts. It's all factual. Right. And yeah. you know, as I, as I said earlier, it's all starts in the mind. Right. And I, I think, you know, it's amazing advice, right. To have, you know, mentors with people who are, you know, at that, you know, one of those wealth levels that you want to be, right? You know, if you could shoot for the 100 million person, go for mm -hmm. it. But um, whoever you can get and you yes. know, not just having one, right? Because, you know, you need diversity of thought, diversity of perspective yes. uh, from that wealth spectrum. So uh, 100% agree. It's just more of, you know, we have to get out of our comfort zones because, you know, we usually tend to stick to what we yeah. know. Um, and you know, I think that's a challenge mm -hmm. for everyone, you know, find someone who can be your mentor, um, who's at a place that you ultimately want to be. And if they say no, try someone else. Right. So. Yeah. But mm -hmm. the reality is most of them won't say no. I mean, I'm telling you that, you know, especially if they, none of my mentors ever said no. And, and, um, and I didn't, I didn't really ask them. I just kept asking them questions and they, what, what they, they're inspired by your tenacity. Mm -hmm. Like if, if you were to ask my mentors, you know, what do they think of me? They would be like, you know, he said it and he did it. Like he didn't, he wasn't playing games about it. Right. So they enjoy, they love to see you succeed. They love to see their advice work. Right. And I've got loads of billionaire mentors from Jewish to white to black, you know, and the whole point is they love to see you succeed because, mm -hmm. but they don't like wasting their time with people that are just talkers. That's what it is. You know, they don't like wasting their time with people who aren't serious and who are not going not gonna to do anything with the advice that they give them, you know, or they don't seem to have the right mindset. I could talk to a young man and find out, boy, this guy's got the right mindset. I got, I got a guy who's a barber. His name is George. George has been, he's, George got more real estate than guys driving Mercedes Benz in a, in a, in a, in a two-piece suit and a tie going to work for the government or even owning companies. Wow. And he owns a barbershop. Right. I've done hard money lending for him. Right. On deals. He's never missed a payment. Right. Owns a barbershop, owns multifamily properties. You know, we're talking about how he needs to buy a building for his barbershop. And that's what he's hunting for and searching for. I hope I expose him to my network, to other people, you know, mm -hmm. that he can learn from. You know, that's the value of mentorship. And that's that's more of what we need to do. But like I said, you know, a lot of the young cats are rolling so hard like they like they don't need it or like they already have it that it's hard for them to to really really listen and uh respect the advice that some of the older statements statesmen can give them yeah. but um but it's powerful it's meant everything to me that mentorship yeah, yeah one of the things you uh, it reminded me of like when you said change your mindset was like 
It reminded me of getting out of the Matrix. Like you're watching the movie The Matrix, and you know, you're 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 in there, but once you're out, you can kind of really see that I was in the Matrix that entire time, and you're kind of you can easily see the mistakes that you made because you see the the mistakes other people are making. People are making and exactly. They're in they're in this consumer mentality. That's not like that's, yes. that's how I think about this. This this consumer mentality is real, and you're right. Social media and and just having this this constant marketing, like people on vacations, people people that are beautiful, and you're thinking uh, in your in your mind, like man, I want to be on vacations and I want to be beautiful. <laughs> like like it's 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 just this this cycle, and you know, I mean, I, it's scary for 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 kids now because yes, mean, they just. Ugh. Like, <laughs> it's funny. You said something really interesting. When I see that, right, when you see people on social media showing off other pe- people's brands, I'm like, ooh, they got you. Yeah. Right? They got you. They got you because that's where a brand wants to be. A brand wants you to be their brand ambassador because now they know you're going to continue to spend on their brand. They yeah. want you to associate with their brand. That's the highest form of marketing. Mm-hmm. Is it where you define yourself by their brand, right? Yeah. And so I see, and you see these ladies constantly, you know, toasting it up, you know, just showing up champagne glasses every weekend, going to brunch. Yeah, you know expensive brunches every weekend. Yep. I mean, what's killing us? I talk about in my book about what your budget needs to be. I have what I call my millionaire money moves power budget, in which you're to save twenty-two to thirty percent of your income. A lot of people think that's high, but the whole point is you got to put that to work. Where are you going to get your investment capital from? Less than 1% of black businesses get venture capital funds. And most of us don't have rich uncles and aunts and parents that are going to just loan us $100,000 to start our business. So you got to save it just like I did, if you're serious, right? So the whole point is you see these people, and in that framework, you know, I break it down into these eight things, which are part of my millionaire money moves framework. And there's one part that's consume. And consume is the part where you're buying things that you don't really need. Right. And that's eating out. And that the consume based on my model says got to be 15 percent of your income. But that's where people are blowing it because they're spending way more than 15 percent of their income on travel, on on unexpected travel, on going out, on uh, brunches, right, on laundry, on all these things. They're spending loads of money there. And then they're also swiping it through their credit card. So they're spending such a big amount. And all they're doing is taking that 15%, paying down their credit card, and growing their debt. They're going nowhere. And then you can't blame the white man for that. These are the choices that we made. He, he does have responsibility in the income that we earn and the challenge that we have in finding a good job and the difficulty we have getting accepted to great schools. Yeah, that is his responsibility, right? That's all, all him, right? And how we're treated on our jobs, that's all him. But what we do with what we have is all us, and we have to fix that. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. So last question of the day, the most important question of them (laughs) all. Uh, I I hope you've been mentally preparing yourself for this question, because this question does get a few people. But, you know, you being an alpha man and all, I don't think it's going to get you. That being said, <laughs> that being said, how are you redefining your black experience? I love that. I'm redefining my black experience and the black experience of other African Americans through the Black Wealth Summit. The Black Wealth Summit is unapologetically focused on the prosperity of black people. You know, this year we're expecting 600 people. We have Damon John coming to speak. 
We have uh, Angela Yee uh, coming to speak. We have Ayala Banzat. I have David Gardner, who's a friend of mine, who's the co-founder of The Motley Fool. Uh, we've got a whole host of other speakers from uh, Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, Charles Schwab, UBS, New York Life, um, BMO Harris, mm. Juliet Science, Kaiser, uh, Raymond James. You know, there's a whole host of sponsors. And this is, this is a nonprofit organization that I created. And the whole focus of it was to teach African-Americans how to invest. So we have investment tracks based on wherever you are. So if you're a new investor, we have a track for you. If you're an intermediate investor, there's a track for you. If you're an accredited investor or an advanced investor and can invest in more advanced things, we have a track for you, like investing in public storage or investing in hotel franchises or investing in multifamily properties. One of the guys I invest with that has 15,000 apartment doors is teaching that class, how to build your own syndicate. We've got, you know, people talking about how to build your first stock portfolio. We've got Charles Schwab, like I said, teaching classes on, on building your portfolio and analyzing stocks. We've got estate planners. I got my own personal estate planner who's teaching classes on creating your wills and trusts and the whole nine yards. This conference is everything around financial health and wealth, and it's being delivered by African-Americans that are certified and that are credible that work from the largest work for the largest investor banks in the world and are volunteering their time for our community. That's what they're doing. So this is not a whole bunch of fireside chats. We've got like 60 breakout sessions where you can call or you can raise your hand and ask a question, get their business card, follow up with them to learn. This is all about learning. We're not promoting crypto. We're not promoting anything. Although we do have a session on crypto. We also have one on the cannabis industry, the cannabis industry yesterday, today, and where it's going in tomorrow. A buddy of mine who's a consultant and specialized in that is delivering that. Mm. So this is everything about black wealth. And it is my dream, I'm going to close with this, it is my dream and my passion that one day this Black Wealth Summit will be completely free for general, general admission. Uh-huh. It will be completely free. That is my dream. That is my vision. That's the big thing I'm trying to do. All I'm trying to do is convince my banking partners to give me more because I believe at a minimum for all the increased, all the uh, the higher interest rates that black people pay, for all the, the higher fees that we pay, for all the discord that we've experienced from the banks, we at least deserve you to invest in our education, right? And that's what we're trying to I do. I love that. I love that. Um, Yes, yeah. for us, by us. Fubu, shout out to Damon John. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, he's he, he's an awesome guy, man. He's been he's fired up and ready to go, and he's he's been uh, a lot of people. You know, really don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I mean, I met him a few times before, but he's just been an awesome guy for what we're trying to do, and he believes in what we're trying to do. We're going to continue to bring. I want to make this thing free and continue to bring a list celebrities to inspire African-Americans to kind of do better. So, you know, that's, that's what I, do. I hope you guys can make it. I got a couple of tickets for you We're guys. There. If you guys want to come down. It's going to uh, be well, um, uh, a great <laughs> thing. That's all you had to say to Brad. Wait, wait. Will you be a millionaire mentor? What's up? <laughs> of course, of course. Of course, man. Hey, yo, my mentors gave it to me for free. Thanks, that's why wow. I'm paying it for it, man. And so you saw about, yo, what do you charge? I don't charge. People text me. DM me, oh, what are you trying? I'm not going to charge. I have my Black Wealth Growth Challenge group that I carry out for the entire year that, you know, we meet every other Friday or every other Monday. 
and we're growing their net worth. They've got to document where their wealth is going. That's that's part of the deal. They got to do the work. Okay. And I'll coach them, but they have to do the work. Okay. So uh, so yeah, I want to see us all get there, man. That's how we're going to close the racial wealth gap. The racial wealth gap ain't going to close with policy. It's not going to even close with some form of reparation. It's going to take a combination of policy, some form of reparation, as well as an intentional effort by us to build wow. our wealth. Yeah, that's the that's... only way it's going to close. Yeah, we can awesome. get financial literacy all we want, but we have to put forth the effort to accumulate assets and to lower our liabilities. We have well, to yeah, do that. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, right. Yeah. We have to. We have to change the community mindset, right? Because it can't be just just the your own mindset once you change one almost like the matrix right like let's go back to the matrix morpheus you know once yes, he out of it he, he brought it, yeah. others with him and we have to do that and sometimes it's hard because mm-hmm. yeah. if you look at our community when we start to build wealth we leave our community and we never come back and you can understand why, exactly. some, why a lot of people don't do it um but we still should give in some capacity, even if we don't live there anymore, we still should give. But a lot of people give up. We just, we just give up because the mindset is, is, yo, I, I, I could say, you know, where our mindset is, is an offspring from the trauma that we experienced from slavery. And that's mm-hmm. where our mindset is. And it keeps us kind of confused. And then also, you know, sometimes our relationship with our, our, our religious relationship you know, exasperates that confusion of our mindset. And so I just want to say this one thing. What happens is, the best way to describe this is, is that I said that there is a treasure out in the middle of the ocean, and you're on the shore. And to get to that treasure, that real treasure chest of money, of wealth, of everything, you have to pass through the wave of our culture called music. You have to push past it because it's pushing you back to shore. Mm-hmm. Say, no, 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 you got money to burn. You don't want to go out there, right? So then you got to push past our culture called media and television, right? Mm-hmm. What we see on Love and Hip Hop and those kind of channels that are pushing us back, saying, no, 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 that's not the way. So then you got to push back sometimes what we're learning and what we're seeing in church, where we see people who are dressed the nicest and driving the nicest cars that are claiming that they're blessed more than the rest of us. And then we need to <laughs> go do the other thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm, what I'm saying is we have all of these yeah. cultural forces yeah. pushing us in the wrong direction of wealth. And so to get to it, we have to push past all of those waves. Yeah. We have to have enough strength to push past all of that. We got to push back the wave called our friends, right? That are saying, no, homie, come on, man. Let's, we're going to go... You know, we're going to Columbia. We're going to whatever, right? Or the girlfriend saying, hey, we're going to Essence Festival. I didn't plan for it, but let's go. You got to push past that. You have mm-hmm. to push back your family members saying, you're making all that money and you ain't got no, you got that beat up car. You have to push past all of those forces, right? That are pushing you down the back to shore. And so that's why it's so hard for us to ever get to the treasures because we have that much more work to do to kind of push past that because all those things I'm talking about are a result of our mindset right and so you have to have an opposite mindset than our culture if you don't you're going to end up where 
everybody else in. So. Yeah, it's, it's like back in the day when you, you know, getting your hair cut, you was like, go against the grain, you know, when you saw the barber, right? Like, <laughs> exactly, right. exactly. Give me a, give me a one that's against what you, the grain. That's what right? you're doing, fighting every day, right? Because obviously America in general is a consumer-led economy, but then we have our culture as well and it is it is not easy but it's so worth it yes. right and it's a daily challenge but i think if you yeah. try to focus on long-term satisfaction as opposed to instant gratification and you have that goal and it's written down um and you have the millionaire mentor and your your board of directors in a sense who's steering you in the right direction um you can mm-hmm. you, it, it's all possible it's all possible and I call it, I, I took a term out of uh, Floyd Mayweather's term. You have your mm. money team, your real money team. That is your lawyer, mm. your accountant, your mentor, right? Your estate planner, right? You have all those advisors that are going to steer you right. That's your money team, right? Mm. And all that, your homies that are with you that are in the that, that that have the same mindset. That's your money team. And so you do need that. And I mean, and so that's why I'm doing what I do. Uh, and that's why I do it for free. That's why I'm not trying to charge people for anything of that. I only charge for a book, and they got to come to the conference because I got a big old bill to pay to run the conference. <laughs> but, but hopefully in the future we'll be able to make that thing for free, man. Because I believe the wealth literacy for our community it deserves to be free. Yeah. I mean, we deserve that, right? Because yeah. you know it drives me crazy. You see people on social media that are trying to constantly charge for this information. I'm saying it's hard enough to do the work. Yeah. So after, I mean, I tell people, I want you to use your money to make you rich, not make me richer. I need you to use that money to put to work. Right? Mm. Don't pay a seminar for me. Go put that money out there in the market. Go grow that money. Right? Because the, you know, that's the work. Taking yeah. my seminar, taking my class is going to make you more knowledgeable, but you can Google most of the things I'm going to tell you. Mm-hmm. Put that money yeah. to work. So true. That's true. This has been an amazing episode, Cedric. We appreciate you dropping your knowledge. (laughs) Appreciate you, you know, sharing your experience. We appreciate you just creating the Black Wealth Summit um, because, you know, you've been a doer. You've been an entrepreneur, you know, 25 years. And, you know, you persevered. 2002, 2003, you pushed through it. And now, you know, you have a $90 million revenue driven business um and you're helping others right um and you know that's what it's all about right yeah. not forgetting where you came from um and still keep on moving forward so we appreciate everything that you're doing you are definitely redefining the black experience so lastly where can people find you where can people uh follow everything that you're doing and where pe- can people get the book in uh, yes. this month okay well you can find me at Millionaire Money Moves, which is my IG page, uh, where I'm dropping gems. I'm actually doing a free live once a week, basically, just answering people's questions. I just found this very valuable. Sometimes people want somebody to answer their question and want their perspective. I mean, I had those mentors to do that. So I'm doing a free live going on once a week to kind of to, to open that format. The other thing is my book will be pre-released at the Black Wolf Summit. I'm probably going to have 100 to 200 books there. But I'm officially releasing my book, Brown, you're going to love this, on January 17th, the day after <laughs> the Martin Luther King, our frat brother, yeah, his yeah, birthday. Yeah. 
So we're building it up and we're going, so it's going to be uh, available on pre-order starting October 27th uh, or 25th, but I'm going to actually release it uh, right before, uh, right after Martin Luther King's birthday. So it's going to be on the awesome. 17th of January. So stay tuned. I awesome. think that you're going to enjoy the book. It's going to be a very enjoyable, easy read, but very, very informative. I put my heart and soul into it. Nice. And um, the, the one book, uh, Why Should White Guys Have All the Wealth? And how you can become a millionaire starting from the bottom. Uh, that book is going to be sold. But the other book, the Millionaire Money Moves Supplemental Investment Guide, that's the book that teaches you the investment secrets that I've learned. That book is free. You can download that book when you buy the one book, or you can buy it if you want a hard copy. You can download it in soft copy for free. So, like I said, man, I'm not doing this for money, man. I'm doing it for the love of it, man. So. That's that's what I'm trying to do. Bars dropped. Uh, we appreciate this. This has been an amazing episode. And lastly, it's your boy Mookie. Oh, wait. And your favorite color in the world. Dirty delight. We are out. Keep peace. Peace.